0: Says it. that's why it's right. that's forgotten, yes. and uh, when we do remember it, and when we do bring it up again, it seems like uh, there becomes controversy concerning this yes. scripture. The controversy is not with the scripture; right. the controversy is with us, yes, yes. because Absolutely. we have minds that cannot fathom a God that is sovereign and all-knowing. Yes. We cannot right. fathom that. I've had people tell me that the word sovereign is not in the Bible. The book of Revelation calls him omnipotent. That does not just mean that he is sovereign over one area. but That word right. carries the idea that he is universally sovereign. Yes. Sovereign yes. over all things. Yes. And control of all things. Amen. Those things sometimes include bad things hard things, yes, yes. suffering things. Sometimes they include good things, uh, glorious things, rejoicing things. Yes, Those things include salvation. He's Amen. sovereign yes, over yes. salvation. Amen. Those things include sanctification. They include church growth and harmony. He is sovereign over all things. So let's read the text tonight and See how the Lord leads us this afternoon, and I'll try not to be too long this afternoon, and we'll carry on. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many Brethren, I'll stop reading there because I happen to know that you guys are going through this verse by verse, and we want to deal with verse 29 tonight as much as possible. I know that Jeffrey and Brother Jeff have been giving you uh, exposition on this chapter. I've been preaching through this chapter myself, no doubt, a little bit differently than they have. I've been finding the gospel in this chapter and preaching it in that regard to our people, and certainly it has been a blessing to look at. We know that coming out of chapter number 7, Paul has been in that battle between his flesh and between uh, the spiritual man that resides within him. We know that he said that when he would do good, evil is always present. He said, I know what to do, but it seems like I can't never do what I should do. And I know what not to do, but it seems like that is what I always do. And Many would say this is a time in Paul's life well, maybe he was not living right, or maybe when he was backslid or out of the will of the Lord. Mm-hmm. I say that it's probably more when Paul was closer to God yes. than he had ever been. Yes. Yes. When he began to understand more about what living for Christ is really all about. That there is a battle between a law of what he called sin and death, and uh, that that battle sometimes was harder than we could ever imagine. I love the words of Paul when he said in chapter number 7, That is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Coming to the acknowledgement of who we are while also coming to the acknowledgement of who He is helps us to understand better this sovereign God that we serve and these verses in which we are going to look at tonight. The problem is in our day we have been convinced so many times that there are good things in us and that there are things that we can accomplish and that we can do I want to remind you of words that I use often at the church I'm at now, and I have used them often in your presence before, and is the words of Christ in John chapter 15 and verse number 5. Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. Right. right. And somehow, I believe preacher Safer years ago challenged us to, to ask ourselves every day and to challenge ourselves every day with that verse of Scripture. I'm going to find something I can do today by myself. And if you would challenge yourself with that every day, it wouldn't take you many days, if more than one, to find out that you can do nothing without Christ. Amen. And that everything you face, if you're a saved believer, will be with Christ. Anyway, reading from chapter 7, from where he has been battling this law of sin and death, he comes into chapter number 8 where we're dealing with the fact of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That law that it made me free. That law that provides for me a freedom that I had never experienced outside of Christ. Always under the bondage of sin. Always under the bondage of trying to do right. To turn over a new leaf. To produce some good out of me when I knew in my heart there was always bad. The law that must take over is this law of the spirit of life, which can only be found in Christ Jesus. It is Him that makes us free from the law of sin and death, and it is Him that gives us uh, the Spirit that we have to be able uh, to live in a restful life of assurance in Christ. We were talking over lunch, and I've said so many people have missed this whole idea of rest in the gospel. There is rest in in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we live a life that is not experiencing the rest of God. We are working so diligently to try to be holy and to try to be righteous and to try to be better for God when we simply cannot do it. The work that is to be done has already been accomplished. And our assurance rests there. That leads me to our text tonight where we say that all things work together for good that is the most uh quoted part of that verse and it is the part that we all like to cling to we want to say everything in our life works together for good everybody that's ever been remotely associated with the church has some idea about this verse and how it applies to our lives we take every little problem that comes and we say we say, man, all things work together for good, and that's great, and I understand that. The problem is understanding who exactly it is that this promise is written to. It is right. not written to an unbeliever, so therefore right. many folks that are quoting this verse are quoting it in vain because they do not know God, they are not saved, right. and there are, there are no assurances in their life right. except for the assurance of the fact that without Christ, they will spend eternity in hell. So understanding this verse, we must know that the promise is to those that love God. And here's another real uh, essential part of this verse, to them who are the called, specific individuals in mind, when this verse is being written. It signifies, number one, that it's talking to saved people, and it signifies that those saved people did not come on their own merit, but that they were called of God to come to Him. They were called, it sounds like the church to me. Ecclesia is the word, and it's them that are called out, that assembly that's been brought aside and brought together for the purpose of worship and honoring and glorifying God and being the very bride of Christ. So here, as we understand that, we are not dealing with a text that has to do uh, with lost people, but for those that are born-again believers. And I have begun, as I heard Brother Jeff say, I have begun when I speak of, of what Christ did at Calvary to simply refer to it as He did that for those that would believe. We can argue all day long about things and about different doctrines, but here's the reality. What was accomplished at Calvary only benefited those that would believe. Everybody that uh, rejects that, turns away from that, they have no hope, they have no promises of God to rest in except the promise of eternal judgment in hell because of the fact that they are not saved. So we come to the text tonight and we said, why, why is it that we can say that the bad things, even with the good things, that come to us in our line, uh, work together for good. Now let me say this, that do not always look for the good out of your situations, because I do not believe that that the good will always be seen in this life. A lot of what we are dealing with is not uh, to make us better here, uh, but it is an eternal good that we are working toward. And we're gonna find that out in the text in verse number 29 he said for whom he did foreknow that is a word that sends most baptists running and screaming into the woods uh, pulling their hair out scared to death that if they believe that or preach that that somehow they're going to be thrown into a a blackballed area where no preacher will ever ask them to preach again i'm going to say this to you as far as i'm concerned If a preacher can't preach this verse as easy as he can preach a verse in John chapter number three, I don't know that I want him preaching for me anyway. It's the same Bible. It's the same God that inspired it and breathed it and gave it to us. And it is the same God that we declare to be sovereign over all things. And God said clearly that this promise uh, has to do with those that He foreknew. Now, the easy way to explain that verse away in our day is to say, well, He knew who would come to Him or He knew this and He knew they'd receive and that's why He called and that's why the word foreknew carries more than the idea of knowing something ahead of time. It carries the idea that it was planned Ahead of time. Not that it was just known about. Before it happened. But rather it was part of the intricate plan. The nature that God has. Is one that has gone before us. Prepared a way for us. In all things and everything. That even when we face the difficulties. That those difficulties are designed. For the good of those. That are called according to His Purpose. That's what we miss so often in our lives is we forget that our lives are really not even about us. Our lives are about bringing honor and glory to the very God of heaven, to Amen. the sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords, to the Christ who bled and died and gave His life that we might live and have life and have it more abundantly. And what is going on in our day is not God is not so much interested in in what makes us happy, he is interested right. in his purpose being fulfilled and played out in our lives, and that purpose will mold us, conform us into the image of his yes, sir. dear son. Yes. Sir. yes, sir. We, yes sir. Argue, right. we, we argue over these words, and we are confounded by these words. But the reason we are confounded is because we do not have the same knowledge in our head that God carries in His. Right. We just cannot understand. And we should not let that scare us, but rather we should allow that to comfort us. Yes, Amen. We should allow that to bring us rest and joy and happiness and peace. To know that this life is not, the outcome of it is not up to us. Right. I remember I remember being in places where people didn't really believe that and, and uh, they, they would be vocal and say they didn't believe that but then someone could sing this song that says he knows the end from the beginning and they'd shout about it yes. like it made them happy and I'm going now wait a minute you're telling me you don't believe God does that and works things out from the beginning but you're shouting now that he knows the end from the beginning that's the very God that we serve and the reality is that he foreknew it not just knowing it ahead of time but rather he planned it ahead of time right yes it is not God is not God is not making decisions based on your decisions. right if he is then he's not God he's right. He's following us. That's right. Right. Is that right? Is that right? If he's, yeah, right, if right, he's right. making decisions based on my decisions, then, then I'm the bigger person in yeah. the picture. Right. And right. he's right. reacting to me rather than me reacting to him. Yes, sir. Yep. His plan is to make me react, not for me to cause him to react. So there therefore, right. his fore- foreknowledge for knowledge has to do with the course. Paul said it in multiple places. He talked about Uh, He has finished his course. He said in Hebrews, "I must run the race that is set before me." There is a course that is determined, and a course that is set before God's people. And God knew it from the beginning. Yes, Yes, sir. He said because I knew that. He said I did predestinate again. Oh Lord! People say you believe in predestination. Well, it's in the Bible. Yes, yes. And I believe the Bible, and I believe. In the word predestination. Let's understand what He is saying here in this text. I believe He's dealing with the purpose that He's got us in these places for. It is to be conformed to the image of His Son. When we deal with the word predestinate, in most cases we are talking about the purpose in which God has called us, the course in which He has set us on, what His plan is with our lives, and we don't even know the full plan or the outcome of it ourselves. Right. But yet God said, the ultimate outcome is not for you to be glorified, but uh-huh. for myself to be glorified and for you to look more like Jesus when it's all said and done. Exactly. Yes. So the word predestinate, while it scares and runs us into a closet of, of cowering and, and worrying about what God is saying, it is simply to make us more like Jesus. All of these words in this text following down through uh, the more than conquerors verse, these are not things to scare us away, but they are words and they are verses that God has given us to let us rest in the assurance of the finished work of Christ. You're going through hardships. That's okay because I foreknew you. I predestined you to go through this difficult course that is your life, that in the end you may be more like Him. And if I foreknew you and I predestined you and I called you, I justified you, I glorified you, I'm not going to leave you. Right. The purpose is assurance in our lives. It is to give us the rest that comes in Christ. It's not to cause us to doubt whether or not we're part of the elect or the called or any of those things, but rather it is to assure those that have been called that God is not leaving us on the side of the road, but He is molding us into His image. He is preparing us to be the bride of Christ that as we're presented to Him on that day, we will be that chaste virgin, spotless and white. And holy as he is holy, amen. Amen. Here he said, "This is this predestination is that you might be conformed." that you might be changed, transformed. We use the word metamorphosis a lot of times to describe uh, the change that transpires in someone. Where we go from the uh, the caterpillar that's not so appealing uh, to the beautiful butterfly that, uh, that springs forth from a cocoon and uh, shows beauty that no one ever thought could be inside of that person. And while we see a part of that when the soul moves, from being lost and undone without God to being saved and regenerate and uh, born again by His marvelous grace, there's still more to come in this process of metamorphosizing. While we are not what we once were and uh, we still are not what we shall be, there is coming a day when we will be what we cannot even imagine that we will be because of the promises given in this text. God is moving us and transforming us and conforming us to His purpose and His will I have often thought of this issue that we you hear discussed in our Lives. Some will talk about a permission will and a perfect will of God. And, and I, I don't know about all of that. And I, I've even said before, we always pray that the will of God. God, have your will and have your way. And we pray those things. And I, I'm not saying that's wrong. But I want to say this to you. The purpose that God has set before us will come to pass. Yes. God's will yes, will Happen. His eternal purpose will be accomplished. He has not left his eternal plan and eternal purpose up to you and I. He has allowed us to be a part of it, but the outcome is not dependent on what we do and what we don't do. Right, right. I remember I'll tell this story. I've I've tried to quit telling stories since I preached to you on a regular basis. Try to quit telling them as much as I can. But years ago, I was working a construction job uh, up in uh, somewhere in Johnson City, Kingsport area, and uh, there was a man who drove a dump truck. And I stood on that man's dump truck uh, many, many days talking to him about foolish things, things that didn't matter, and all of this. And one day that man had a heart attack on the job site and he died. I wasn't around him when it happened. But when it happened, I I beat my head against the wall and I said, man, what if I didn't witness to that fella, and uh, he's in hell because I missed my opportunity to talk to that man. And I worried myself and I beat myself up. And then one day it dawned upon me that in the plan of Almighty God and in the course of Almighty God, that if God had wanted to save that man He was not going to leave that man's eternal destiny in my hands. Amen. He is not resting. Now listen, it is my responsibility to preach the gospel. I know that and I understand that. But if we were to count up all the people that we failed to witness to and we begin to beat our heads against the wall and say, man, I didn't witness to them and they may be in hell because of me, we'd live a miserable, miserable life. Yes, sir. God will move and maneuver in lives to accomplish His plan. Amen. He will move in salvation. He will move in our sufferings. He will move in these hard times. Why? Because He foreknew us. Paul said in Ephesians chapter number 1, he said that from the foundation of the world that we were called. Peter said we were the elect from the beginning of this thing. I believe it was Barnhouse that made the statement, when you come to the gate of heaven, maybe on the outside it will say whosoever will let him come. But he said as you enter the gate and look back, it will say elect from the foundation of of the world. Yeah. Chosen in Christ before our minds can even comprehend our first memory of life. Christ had predetermined and pre-focused uh, uh, on our lives that we might be like Him. Yes. Always gotten caught up in the argument that Paul and Jeremiah both said they were called to preach, called to minister from their mother's womb. I mean, that says something about the way their lives were going to go, that from the time they were infants inside their mothers, God had His hand on their ministry knowing that Paul would be beaten and left for dead outside the city, that he would be shipwrecked, that he would go through all of these difficulties even with the thorn in the flesh. God said, I'm doing it and my grace is sufficient and in the end of it, you're going to be more like me. Yes, It is assurance God has His hand on our lives. God is directing and controlling our lives. Yes. And we can rest in the assurance yes, that all things that we face as Christians, as believers, are working together, maybe not for the good of this life, but for the good of the next life that conforms us more and more like Christ, that when we stand before Him, we'll be like Him. Amen. What a glorious day and what a glorious thought that Paul has passed on to say that we are predestined to the purpose of being like His Son and that He might be the firstborn, what, among many brothers. That because of the gospel of Christ, there would be many more that would come to know Him through our sufferings, through our assurance, through all that we face, that He would just be the first among many that would call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. He goes on down through here and again. These guys will will enlighten you greater on these scriptures than I ever could about them that He called. And I believe it's called the golden chain of of these verses. I believe there's five links here uh, that link all of this together. Back to verse 28 uh, that tells us that the reason these things are working together for our good is because God is the one holding them and controlling them. If He foreknew me, and he justified me, and he justified me, and he's glorified me. All of these things work together, yes. then we can rest. Yes. Where is the rest in our day? Yes, sir. There's just no rest. And I, I hate to be so hard on independent Baptists because I still am one. I still associate with independent Baptists, but my mindset's not that anymore. I can tell you that. Amen. My mindset is there is rest in Christ. Yes, yes, sir. There is is hope in Scripture. It is not about about browbeating one another, but it's about helping us to understand that our sufferings, Paul said, for I reckon in this same chapter, for I reckon the sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. There is coming a day when all of this, all of the ingredients of this life all come together and make us what God is intended us to be when He started. Yeah. Let me remind you of what Paul said. He said, if I've begun a good work in you, I will perform it. Yeah, yes. Even until the day of Christ. It is not I who started the work. It is not you who started the work in your life. Matter of fact, if God had not come to you and started a work in your life, you'd still be the same miserable, rotten sinner that you were. Whenever he saved you. But say, well, I was thinking about turning over a new leaf. You'd still be thinking about it. Right. You'd still be hugging the bottle. You'd still be doing whatever it was that you were doing. And you'd still be lost and on your way to hell had God not began the work in your life. Right. people can't handle that they don't, they don't want that they want they credit somehow that's why God said that salvation is not of works lest Amen. any man should boast had you had begun the work you would take all the credit for it you would put your name on the sign tell everybody what you've done and you would rest in the assurance of what you've done rather than in the assurance of what Christ has done and is doing yes. in your life Right. Hey. these verses See, he indicates to us that all these things that we face and all these battles that we think we are fighting uh, make us better, and that they are for our good. It is all because God foreknew, God did predestinate yes. for His purpose. Yes, sir. the purpose of conforming you to the image of His Son. Yes. When we look at each other, most of the time we. I don't look at anybody wearing a tie and think, man, that guy looks like Jesus. Uh, there's been a little meme running around Facebook with Jesus wearing a certain tie, and it just looks weird. You know, everybody look at that and go, that's just weird. Somebody would even say, that's probably sacrilegious. You're mocking and making fun. That's what we do when we put those types of expectations on people and say, if you don't have a tie on, then you're, you're not a Christian. That's not what he's doing. He's not molding us to to make sure we have the right tie and the right shoes and the right hair. He's molding us to be like the person that was was and is Jesus Christ. Not His his outward robe, but the heart the mind that He loved with, that He cared with, that He showed compassion with. The person that He was and He is. If we look closely at and understand this promise that God has given us that all the things that are taking place in our lives, and you've heard the you've heard the illustration about the biscuit till you're sick of it. I mean, you've heard all that. Heard the illustration about cake and raw eggs and flour and all that stuff. We're sick of all that. But the reality is we understand that all these things come together to make something that we can tolerate, that we can eat, that we can enjoy. Christ has allowed all of these things. I, I'll never forget the day I saw in Psalm 119, I believe it's verse 72, somewhere between 72 and 75, where Scripture said that God is faithful in affliction. He's faithful in affliction. The afflictions that come our way, the troubles that come our way, it does not remove the faithfulness of God. It does not remove the change, the plan of God. Just because something bad happened in your life, Listen, when God sets your plan in order, no one can hurt you. Do you know what a blessed day it was about a year and a half ago when it came to my mind that uh, they can't hurt you? Right. Right. They can't hurt you. Why? Because all things work together for good them that love God and are thee called according to His purpose. We are operating and we are moving according to the purpose of God, not the purpose of man. Right. And and the purpose is to make us more like Him, to make us better for Him, yes. that there might be many brethren come behind us because of Him. And He said, if I foreknew them, I've predestinated them. If i predestinate predestinated them, I'm going to justify them. If I've justified them, you better believe I'm going to glorify them. All of these things working together for His purpose and for His glory. Yes, it is. Tom Young rattled my cage one day when he said, "This thing ain't about you. Never has been. Never will be. Yes, it's not about us. Amen. Church, Gospel Way Church, it's not about us. Amen. It's about Him. Yes, sir. yes, sir. Amen. It's about Him. And everything that He has transpiring in this life." Is for His honor and for His glory. Yes, Yes. and He will accomplish it because He said He would. Amen. He said He would. Amen. Told you I didn't want to be long this afternoon, and I'm thankful for His precious Word. Amen. In fact, we talked about sola scriptura this morning, and I, I told I told both the Jeffs, junior and senior, I said I said here's here's the deal. There's no way to touch all that is in. Scripture alone, it's infallibility, it's inerrancy, it's holiness, all that, all that is. And we must wrap all of that up really in the one word that says it is sufficient. Yes. It is sufficient for all things. And there is rest in His word. There is rest and assurance in His promises. And in His promise, He said, even the bad things works together for your good and for His glory. Why? Because He made the plan. He made a plan. Yes. If I was making a plan, I wouldn't say, okay, I'm going, send, I'm going to send this unit of soldiers over to the right, and I'm going to send this unit over to the left, and this unit right here is going to lose 37 guys before they get back, but that's part of the plan. It's all going to work out right. And we'd say, man, that's crazy that you plan to lose guys before you ever start. We wouldn't plan it that way. But God knows. Right. So much that He used Judas, who was the devil from the beginning, the Bible said, to accomplish it. The gospel. Yes. So much that he knew Peter would deny him three times before the cock crow Yes. So much so that God would use a, a, a wicked nation that Israel hated. God would use other people to bring his people back in line where they needed to be. Yes. We wouldn't do it the way God does. No. That's why God made the plan and didn't leave it up to us. Amen. Yes. Right. He's not left it up to us. That's when you right. quit trying to figure a lot of things out, huh? we talk about all the time. Praying God, praying, looking for God's will, looking for God's will, praying for it. His will is set. Right. It is settled. We just need to enjoy the ride. Yeah. Do what He's called us to do. Rest in Him while we're there. Yeah. Be good to us. Amen. It's, good to Amen. it's been a good day for me to be here in the house of the Lord. I Amen. hope you trust there's been some help offered to you through uh, through these couple of messages and again I, I, I wanted to leave some of this for the minds that you have here in Romans as you continue to go through it you know the directions that each week you've come together in Romans that you've been headed these are my simple thoughts on, on what has become a simple text to it's not as complicated as we've made it to be down through the years it expresses the assurance of our salvation and our rest that can be in Christ because He is working according to His purpose yes, yes. and not ours. Brother Jeff, thank you again. Brother, you come on. Amen.